<laughs> Guys, I can't fucking wait to see that movie. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. And this week, we are bringing you a very special feature. Oh, yes. yes. We're going to play a fun little game of Mary Fuck Kill. I cannot wait to watch this movie again. Because it's just so fucking weird. We're about to hit the dance floor at Jackrabbit Slims because we've got that Saturday night fever, baby. I loved this movie, too. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. I just pray that Green Book doesn't win Best Picture. Oh, Pick God, Pick. I know. That- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Talk Movie to Me, a weekly podcast where we either feature a new release and delve into our week in entertainment, focus in on a performer's career, or buy an extra large popcorn and do a double feature. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. And I am recording this from Nova Scotia, where I currently have no power because Hurricane Fiona has come and wreaked havoc on all of it. So the movie theater is not open. Mm. Boo, Fiona, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, it's been like four days now without power. It's really not a good look. Now, thankfully, we have a generator, but half the things in the house don't work off of it, and it's Mm. just a lot. That being said, the film that y'all are featuring this week on the podcast, I haven't been able to see because the movie theater is not open. So that's tragic. Yeah, that is just the saddest thing I've ever heard. They shouldn't close churches, you know? I know. know. (laughs) True. So y'all enjoy. I'm going Mm -hmm. to step away and then I'll see everybody on the flip side when we do our weekend entertainment. All right. See you in a bit, Okay, we'll see you soon. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Okay, Helen, let's get into the film. Yes, Just Us Girls. Just Us Girls. I have a drink ready, too. Me too, but mine's just tea. (laughs) No. Sorry. (laughs) Although after this movie, we should be drinking cocktails. Exactly. So many martinis, so many delicious cocktails. I've been craving one all day. Yeah, true. Okay, well, this week we are covering Don't Worry Darling, a small little movie that absolutely nobody has been talking about. Alice and Jack are the perfect couple with the perfect life. If you're a misogynist living in the 1950s. (laughs) Jack goes to work every day on the mysterious Victory Project while doting wife Alice stays home cooking, cleaning, and patiently waiting to get eaten out next to the roast and mashed potatoes. (laughs) Life's Mm. swell, isn't it? It's not. Something is wrong in this idyllic town. Neighbors are having breakdowns, planes are crashing into hilltops, and the eggshells are empty. Mm -hmm. As Alice starts questioning her surroundings, her existence becomes less clear and the walls literally start closing in on her. Written by Katie Silberman and directed by Olivia Wilde, Don't Worry Darling stars Harry Styles as Jack and Miss Flo Florence Pugh as Alice. Don't Worry Darling asks the question... Can you have order without chaos? Certainly, certainly <laughs> does. Lots of chaos mm-hmm. with this one, for sure. Not a lot of order. Right. Just yes. a lot of chaos. So, yeah, first impressions, Miss Sinclair. Okay, well, firstly, I need to say you and I had a lovely afternoon together. We sure did. We went to a Tuesday matinee because that's where it's at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I brought way too much food into the theater. <laughs> I brought a full sandwich, a coffee, 
a large popcorn. Large popcorn, layered butter. <laughs> layered butter. Like I was set. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was a really nice, uh, lovely matinee that we mm-hmm. went to today. Saw a lot of trailers and it was uh, funny watching them with you because <laughs> most of them were Marvel trailers and DC trailers. Yeah. And which like, had this really is not nothing the film to for do that. with yeah. Don't Worry Darling. It's yeah. just it's not the audience at no. all. So I did feel like we were a little bombarded with superhero uh, mm-hmm. trailers. Edison would have loved that for sure. <laughs> As for the film, when this started, I thought this was very visually striking. Mm-hmm. Like right yeah. away, the look of this film really captures your attention Everything is just instant eye candy. Yeah. It did make me think, wouldn't it be cool to have an Airbnb experience mm. where you were just immersed in the 50s, mm-hmm. like in Ooh, this world, yeah. and you got to drive a, you know, a car from this time and wear the clothes from this time and live in one of these like beautiful houses. Then I was like, oh, that's kind of like Westworld. Mm. And then I started thinking, is this going to be like a Westworld oh, situation? Okay. So I put that idea in my head. Oh, interesting. In, like right away while I was watching this. Aside from that, I just think that when this starts, it is really easy to start comparing it to other movies. Like I was mm-hmm. already starting to see similarities to mm-hmm. to other movies when this started, mm-hmm. for sure. And also hard to go into this with a blank slate yeah because of all the conversations surrounding mm-hmm. it what about you yeah I mean I I did like how this movie just jumps right in and I, I totally agree with the visual strikingness of the film right off the bat but yeah because of all of the drama that we will get into shortly surrounding this film it it's impossible not to think about that when you're watching it. And we have Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, and Olivia Wilde in this opening scene amongst other actors. And all I just kept thinking is like watching their dynamics and like thinking about the alleged tension that could be Mm -hmm. there. You know, like it was so hard to separate that part of my brain from just watching a film and trying to have a blank slate. It was impossible. Yeah. The lines were just very blurred. Yeah. Before we get into storytelling, there's so much more story involved with the making of this film. Mm -hmm. And I was very reluctant to read any of it. Right. Like in our chat, we were talking about, oh, don't worry, darling. And I was like, I don't want to know any of the drama. So I didn't really read any articles on it, but I found it impossible to not catch a quick Instagram post or a meme or there was so much of it that I couldn't ignore it. It just it was, was, all over was the everywhere. You know, maybe you could just give me more of an in-depth uh, oh, I sure synopsis can. of what actually happened with yeah. this drama. <laughs> I frequent celebrity gossip websites, so I was all, all up in it. And for the listeners, too, if you have been living under a rock or trying to consciously avoid it, like Miss Sinclair, I'm going to yeah. give you a quick little recap of what's happened here. So the drama really actually started pre-filming not so public but this is where our story begins so Shia LaBeouf was initially cast in the Harry Styles role for this film he dropped out in around August of 2020 um, and was replaced with Harry Styles filming starts October 2020 Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde split up in November 2020 Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles start dating January 2021 So Mm -hmm. right away, there's already headlines about that. Like, oh, my God, she, you know, just left Jason Sudeikis and now she's with Harry Styles, much younger man, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then come to the release of this film and this summer, all of this stuff starts coming out 
where Florence Pugh is noticeably absent from any sort of promotion. And that starts like mm-hmm. putting up red flags for people. And then Olivia Wilde is talking about the recasting of the Jack role and saying that she fired Shia LaBeouf because he didn't have the right like energy. He was too combative to be mm-hmm. on this set. He comes back and says, you know, that's not true. I quit the film because I couldn't get a rehearsal schedule that would work with your actors. And then he releases a video that she sent him where Mm -hmm. she was trying to convince him not to leave the movie. And I'm going to say exactly what I watched the video. I'm going to say exactly what she says in this video. She says, Shia, I feel like I'm not ready to give up on this yet. And I too am heartbroken and I want to figure this out. You know, I think this might be a bit of a wake up call for Miss Flo. And I want to know if you're open to giving this a shot with me, with us. If she really commits, if she really puts her mind and heart into it at this point, and if you guys can make peace and I respect your point of view, I respect hers. But if you guys can do it, what do you think? Is there hope? Will you let me know? So, I mean, (laughs) that Mm. video, that statement is pretty overtly her not wanting Shia to leave the film and she's kind of throwing shade at Florence Pugh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that comes out right and then Florence Pugh isn't doing promotion she says the only thing that she's going to do is go to the Venice Film Festival she goes to the Venice Film Festival it feels like there's tension between her and Olivia Wilde and then there's the spitting moment Mm -hmm. where Spitgate Spitgate where people think that (laughs) Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine it's that's just like totally I mean, what silly. What did Chris Pine do? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. <laughs> he was just sitting there looking sassy. Yeah. Yeah. With his so, haircut. There's all of that. And then there have been these little, you know, if we're going to go really deep into it, these little things on Instagram and stuff, such as um, Florence Pugh's stylist posting a photo of her and calling her Miss Flo. It's a nod towards Olivia Wilde calling her Miss Flo in that video. And there have been other speculation or other reports of them having a shouting match on set and that Florence Pugh wasn't happy with Olivia Wilde dating Harry Styles, that she wasn't committed to directing the film, blah, 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 blah. Who knows what's true? Who gives a fuck, really? But it did create, like, this crazy gossip storm around this film, which I don't think anybody saw coming. Like, why did this become such a big deal? Yeah, I think it's weird, too, because there is drama on any film set. Totally. With any production. And there's weird shop talk and, like, different deals. And one person, you know, playing this side and that. Like, I feel like this happens all the time with movies. Yeah. So part of me was wondering what was put out on purpose. Right. And what wasn't. Like, you never know anymore. With, yeah, with totally. These things like you never know if things are being put out to be just controversy stirrers. Yeah, I was really trying to tune all of that out, but it it really was impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that that really has an effect on when you you watch the film, mm-hmm. which we'll get into. We'll get into the actual storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get into storytelling. Okay, so how did you feel overall about the storytelling? Well, let's just say, first of all, spoiler. <laughs> yeah, we're going to spoil this. Yeah, this is a spoily, <laughs> spoily movie. I think that this movie overall for me, I didn't dislike it. I actually was like quite entertained by it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's very profound. Mm-hmm. I think that the topics and themes that it's covering have been done a lot. And I don't think that it's... Yeah, really has much to say that's really profound about those things. However, I did find it entertaining. It has plot holes. 
that we'll get into. But like, I don't know. I I had a good time at the movies with you this afternoon. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, firstly, I need to say I I thought this was going to be way worse. Right. Like yeah. way worse than yeah. it was. I don't I don't think this movie was great. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a bad movie. It's just not like no, an incredible it's not movie. A bad movie. It's not poorly made in any yeah. way. I actually thought that this was going to be like cringy bad based on mm-hmm. what people were saying about this. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the biggest offense this movie makes is that the storytelling is mediocre. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a bit surfacy. I thought this was going to be bad. I thought it was going to be way too on the nose. And it was a mm. little bit on the nose, but it mm-hmm. wasn't obnoxiously so. Like I thought yeah. she, Olivia Wilde was really going to hammer this stuff down our throats. Yeah. But she ended up doing the opposite and not saying enough. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that was definitely a plot twist. I feel like this movie kind of had the Joker effect where there was so much mm. conversation about Joker then Joker ended up not really having a lot to say. Hmm, like about mental health. Like right. people were like, yeah. it says so much about mental health. And I was like, but it doesn't really. Right. So I feel like this movie had the equivalent of, well, you know, what Joker did about mental health, but this was really kind of like the patriarchy and feminism. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it had this like very surface level of feminism. Like to me, it felt like it was like the equivalent of like social media activism. In in hmm. terms of, of of feminism, it doesn't really extend beyond what a Instagram story would say, or you right. know, a quick TikTok, or like it doesn't really go past that. I think that because Olivia Wilde is so vocal about politics and about feminism, hmm. especially online, like on social mm-hmm. media, I thought, okay, well, she's definitely going to have something really deep to say about it and have some real social commentary if she does a film that focuses on that it felt like the equivalent of her views on feminists like that's just on her Instagram right you know like there wasn't a deep exploration I found that kind of disappointing yeah so basically I I mean I feel like if you're listening to this you've probably watched the film Mm -hmm. but I mean we we have Alice and Jack in this you know utopia environment that's the 1950s, but it's not. And there's something going on with the Victory Project. The women are aren't allowed to go to headquarters, and they don't know what's going. They don't know what their husbands do, right? Alice is starting to question everything and is being very gaslit by everyone mm, around her. Very gaslit. Yeah, and you know, goes further and further into questioning and trying to figure out what's going on, and then. We basically find out that they're kind of in the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Like when she's experiencing, you know, the the window pushing in on mm-hmm. her and like the eggs that don't really crack. And mm-hmm. to me, I was like, OK, so that's just kind of like a glitch in the Matrix mm. or in, you know, Vanilla Sky mm-hmm. when all right. that weird stuff is happening and it's because he's in the simulation. So, yeah, that definitely made sense. And yeah. then... <laughs> well, Ta-da. okay, yes. So we're in the Matrix, and then you find out that handsome Harry Styles is like this incel, like weirdo, Dirty, and she's a she's a, a surgeon, incel. like, and he's been listening to this, you know, podcast or something that mm-hmm. is delivered by Frank, played by Chris Pine, who is the head of the Victory Project. He's the head of this entire town. 
who is meant to be a Jordan Peterson type man. And mm-hmm. I mean, Jordan Peterson talks a lot about order and chaos. So this, it's very mm-hmm. clearly modeled after him. And mm-hmm. he basically, Jack's character goes into this victory project, which is him like sacrificing his real life to go into this, I guess, simulation, this matrix where mm-hmm. he... They have this perfect life and nothing can go wrong and women are housewives and men go to work. And that comes so late in the film. Mm -hmm. I had so many questions at the end of it. And I thought that we got a lot of the gaslighting patriarchy stuff over and over and over again Mm -hmm. for like 90% of the film. And then the last 10%, you find out what's happening, but it's not explored. And I found it fell flat there for me because I I wanted wanted to know a lot more. And I have a lot of questions. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that 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 whole thing of housewife, suburbia, control, patriarchy, those ideas are dragged out for so long and not fully explored. And then when I think they get to the real meat of what's going Mm -hmm. on, I don't know if that just became too complicated of an idea to explore Mm. or like too sci-fi or something. So they kind of just shut it shut it down at that point yeah. and ended the story because the end just feels very rushed and it's like uh we'll give you this but we don't actually want to explore any of that mm-hmm. that stuff gets too complicated right you know? right to be honest when we start to f- realize what's going on I didn't realize at first that they that it was a simulation I thought mm-hmm. their real bodies were taken to this place mm-hmm. I was let down by the simulation because I yeah. actually was like Oh, I I would have rather it been a world that was built by yeah. this like rich eccentric guy that uh-huh. wanted to control his own flock. Like the village basically. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many movies and TV shows have now gone to this idea of like a simulation. It becomes like a bit of mm-hmm. a cop out. I think that Black Mirror actually explored mm. this stuff so well and in a shorter period of time and it it was a lot tighter I don't know I was watching this and I was kind of like where could this possibly go that will actually be surprising here are some of my questions did the people in this simulation like not have friends and family that are not like where is my daughter Mm -hmm. (laughs) what where has she gone her body's just laying in this bed for the rest of her life what's happening here yeah so do the men maybe you can answer this I might have missed this but the men leave the simulation every day? Is that what I happens? I guess because they have to nurse their sleeping uh, yeah. wives <laughs> or girlfriends. But like also they are they are they working or what are they doing when they Maybe leave? Maybe when they leave they're to work every day, they're actually coming out of the simulation and then taking care of the like sleeping bodies, like nursing them in a way, feeding right. them, making sure they don't get bed sores, like <laughs> but like what is that accomplished then for like the victory project like like how are they contributing to this world like do they have to pay to be there? like I don't I don't understand how well, it operates I'm wondering <laughs> if they just maybe go to work their actual work every day and then when they come home they like go into this fantasy world where they come home to their wife taking care of them and stuff so they might actually go to their regular jobs every day I yeah I don't know but I got the impression that Harry Styles got fired from his job or whatever, lost his job and then didn't get a job and is like becomes this hermit mm-hmm. incel character. And then 
decides to join the Victory Project as like a lifestyle. So I don't think he has a job. I don't know. It's unclear. Well, also, if you look at just like the shape of their household, when you see them in the real world, it doesn't look like yeah. he's really doing anything. So maybe he's just no, like, living I think there that... in squalor. <laughs> I don't know. I th- I Well, maybe. Yeah. But that also has a very like severance, the yeah, Apple TV show yeah. severance. It it, it kind of fall, falls into that idea too of like your home life and your work life being completely separated. Yeah. Okay, the Margaret character going out into the desert with her boy and losing her boy. Like we do find out that all the children in this world don't mm-hmm. exist. But what happened there? Maybe that was like a reprogramming thing where maybe the husband was yeah. just like, you know, the child is causing problems. Let's take the child out of this and may or like a cautionary tale if you go out there yeah you lose lose your your child child and it's like a way to reprogram the woman Mm -hmm. and maybe she just wasn't able to let go of those like artificial memories of this fake child I don't know but then also what about the planes is that a symbolic thing like I the planes (laughs) I don't I honestly just felt like they were just glitches like Maybe there were like okay. she was hallucinating about different memories from her past life mm. where she was a doctor, <laughs> a, a surgeon. surgeon. <laughs> I guess Florence Pugh is like 26. Like, I don't know. I didn't buy that storyline. <laughs> yeah, there is a moment where he's listening to, I think, Frank speak or he's filling out some sort of questionnaire and it mm. does ask him if this is an existing relationship which does lead to the idea of oh are there options for this not having been a relationship like their husband and mm. wife already but do some men just maybe kidnap a woman or or right. what oh that's fucked you know see like this is that's all actually quite I interesting so i wish that you know half the movie could have been actually exploring that counter world mm-hmm. or that actual world yeah, that's only 10 percent really yeah <laughs> at the end yeah one thing i i want to say is that in terms of the core themes of this movie it all did feel a little bit surfacey like it wasn't really lingering in in the dialogue or in the characters mm-hmm. and this movie is it is being called a white woman's get out <laughs> by a I lot can't, of people, yeah there are yeah a lot of comparisons to that and I think that with get out the commentary is in just the bones of the the mm-hmm. script and in the structure it's in every single beating moment and with mm-hmm. this movie it's it's just not there like it's not there in the dialogue and it's not there in in the characters and you know we did mention Jordan Peterson the villain Frank this kind of cult leader visionary person Mm -hmm. is um, based off of Jordan Peterson and Olivia Wilde has this quote we base that character on this insane man Jordan Peterson who's this pseudo intellectual hero to the incel community you know when I read that I thought okay this is where I think she got it wrong because Mm. it's a very underwritten villain that had a lot yes. of potential yes. to be way scarier because Jordan Peterson isn't a pseudo intellectual. No, he he's is an intellectual. intellectual. <laughs> and yeah. he's a credible intellectual because he, he's a clinical psychologist. And I think that that's what mm-hmm. makes him scarier is that mm. 
he does actually have this power of knowledge and this power of influence. Mm-hmm. And I can understand her hating Jordan Peterson and saying, I don't I want to dumb him down. Like, you know, he's just this insane man. Right. But he's not just a man on the street, like spouting right. some gospel. He's an influential intellectual. And I think that's what makes mm-hmm. him scarier and more dangerous Mm -hmm. so the fact Mm -hmm. that that wasn't really incorporated into his character we ended up having this very like surface villain we don't why is frank doing Mm. any of this really exactly like none of his philosophy is explored you know if you hate this person you have to understand what it is that that you Mm -hmm. hate about him you have to understand his work Mm -hmm. and where he's coming from because you have to know your enemy And I feel Mm -hmm. like Olivia Wilde didn't know her enemy. The scary element of that could have come out in this character of Frank, and I think it would have made it Mm. way more dimensional. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And yeah, thinking back on it now too, like how many of these characters were actually fleshed out. Mm -hmm. Like we get so much of Florence Pugh, and I love that we do because she's incredible in this movie, but we don't actually understand anyone especially else. jack even <laughs> you know. jack fuck but even like the Gemma chan character yeah. uh chris pine's wife why does she stab him at I the know. end like we don't no. know it's not clear at all throughout the entire film that she doesn't agree with him yeah. and she's like like stupid, it's stupid just man it's like well we thought you were being fooled this whole time so what happened in the real world for you to maybe right clue in and do something I don't know (laughs) and that feels like a cheap moment of just like women over right smarting them outsmarting the men you know like that just feels like like no I don't that didn't appear to be the case at all throughout this entire film in that relationship yeah not that we saw much of it but Olivia Wilde's character going I knew this whole time I chose this it's like hold up you chose this and then it's just done yeah Yeah, yeah, like okay. so many questions. So this whole time you do? I don't know. What's your real life this situation is one of, then? This is one of the few times where I was in a two-hour movie and I wanted it to be longer than two hours. Like, I'm like, tell me, give me more answers, please. Yeah. yeah. One thing I, I read was Olivia Wilde talks about how this is really going to show female sexuality. Right. I don't think it does, really. No, I don't think it's looking at, like, female pleasure really at all. And also, if it is, like, in this context, Olivia Wilde, it doesn't (laughs) make sense in the end. It doesn't make sense. So I feel like there is a scene, you know, there's a lot of sexy scenes with Harry Styles that didn't feel like it was trying to explore female pleasure. I feel like it was trying to just show Harry Styles being sexy. Right. You know? All right. Well, let's transition into the performances of this film because I feel like we've been tiptoeing around it, but not really diving into the pool. So, um, I mean, Florence Pugh drives this movie and without her and without how stylized this Mm. movie is, I don't think it would have been enjoyable. Mm Mm-hmm. In the same way. Watching her in this and then watching the style of this film is what really kept me entertained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think she makes this really watchable. I also think that it's her acting that's creating the tension. 
and the suspense. Mm. Like it's mm-hmm. her energy. It's her face. Like I don't think this, the yeah. way that this story is told or the way that it's shot is actually thrilling at all. And it's really like her reactions and her tears and her emotion that is really moving the beats of this movie and, and giving it any sort of like real heartbeat. She's the only one you really care about in the end. It's because she's such yeah. a like damn good actress. And, you know, I leaned over to you and I said, you know, she's <laughs> her generation's Kate Winslet. Just watching mm-hmm. her. And I was she's thinking Kate the Winslet. exact same thing. And she also reminded me a bit of Kate Winslet in Revolutionary Road. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, I kept thinking about Kate Winslet in Titanic because Alice kept saying yeah. Jack. Honestly, anytime I hear of a woman say Jack in a movie, I can't th- help but think of Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I was I already had that in my mind when you leaned over and said that to me. But there's also, you know, there's quite a few scenes in this film where we get these um, perhaps glitches or something that's happening in her mind. I don't know. Very disturbing imagery that was very effective. Mm. And watching her in those scenes watching her wrap her face in saran wrap it was chilling Mm -hmm. those moments I felt very impacted by and just you know watching her express what she's going through and not being believed it didn't feel performative Mm. to me it felt like a genuine emotion and I respected that a lot because I think that that can be performative and I think that the concept of gaslighting has become I don't want to say trendy, but it's become like a widely used Mm -hmm. term as of late. And I appreciated how she handled that subject matter. Gaslighting is a very tragic concept. And especially when it's, I would say, primarily done to women. Mm -hmm. And historically, that's where the term comes from. But I want to see it done with depth and with respect and not treated surface level you know not being glossed over because it it deserves that and her performance gave me that but I wanted the the screenplay to give me more of that and it just was getting me a little riled up (laughs) no I agree I I I think that her performance really reminded me of a lot of older films where a woman is institutionalized or she mm-hmm. sees something and, and nobody believes her and she's being gaslit and mm-hmm. like this is like a very common thing for female characters to experience in, in older films it's always this idea of this hysterical woman mm-hmm. I thought that maybe there would be some sort of commentary on that I was actually looking up movies that inspired don't worry, darling. Mm-hmm. And it was like Olivia Wilde was inspired by Inception and The Truman mm-hmm. Show. And I the was Truman like, Show. is that it? I right. actually was so let down. Like maybe there's other movies mm-hmm. that inspired her that maybe she said in a press conference. I was just, you know, right. buried by the gossip. But I thought, wow, there's like so many movies about women that are treated like this Mm. hysterical woman when they find out the truth about something there wasn't any older films that inspired this so that's not really explored and I agree I think it's really explored by Florence Pugh (laughs) yeah yeah but I mean yeah she's great in this and I don't think this would be anything without her and I could see why Olivia I agree was like I'm gonna pick Florence Pugh over Shia yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, speaking of the Shia LaBeouf character, um, yeah. that never was. It went to Harry Styles. That never was. Yeah. Uh, how, yeah. Did, how did you oh, feel Harry. about Harry in this? Harry was in the teen movie version I know, of this movie. He wasn't the, in the I, adult movie. I leaned movie. over to you and I was like, he could be a teenager. <laughs> like, he could be playing yeah. the paper boy in this suburb. <laughs> yeah. And Florence Pugh is like the older woman lusting yeah, after like her this teenage voice, paper like Mrs. boy. Robinson-y. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, he just can't hold a candle to her. No. And he tries, but it's just not. They're on different realities. Yeah. <laughs> like, and no. You know what? It's He's not bad in this at he's all. He's not bad. No. One thing I will say, though, is that you don't really get attached to them as a couple, which. No. They have decent chemistry in this, but for some reason, I think it's the storytelling. You just don't get attached to them as a couple, and it would have been a lot, I would have been a lot more invested in maybe him, or there would have been more of a shock at the end when he yeah. turns, when you find out it, yeah. it is him. There there was nothing there. I was just like, oh, okay, I guess it's him. Like, there was just no sort of real emotion there. They have sexual chemistry. They don't have relationship no, they're chemistry. Not, they're not believable in that way. No. They're sexy together, but when they talk about being so in love with each right. other and only needing to be with one another, that's not there. It's just not there. No. They're trying, <laughs> but I just don't believe that, especially when we see real life, Alice and Jack, why would she be with this guy who can't make himself a fucking snack? Like, yeah, what? Yeah, so Harry Styles, <laughs> apparently in the quote-unquote real world, is married oh, to God. surgeon Florence Pugh. And he, I mean, yeah. he looks like he hasn't showered in two weeks and he just finished a bag of Cheetos. Like, I mean, to yeah. me, I'm thinking, <laughs> why would this guy not think he uh-huh. had it made. I mean, he landed yeah. this woman somehow. I don't know. She's mm-hmm. a doctor. He sits at home and mm-hmm. probably plays video games. What does he care that, you know, his wife is out there making the money? This guy has it made. I think <laughs> I it, it would be more believable if he, like, wanted a relationship with this woman he didn't know, this doctor at the hospital right. or something. Because I'm just like, how yeah. did those two end up getting married? Yeah. Also, yeah, it's just like hard to believe Harry Styles is an incel. However, I will say Shia LaBeouf would be too believable as this like manipulative, mm, right. controlling, mm-hmm. toxic man that it would go Cause against because he, he is in real life. So it would go against yeah. any sort of real female message that this movie was trying to give. Right. Think Shia LaBeouf. It would just be too close to home. Mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm. he's not in it. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> Harry Styles is in it. That's what's happened. Also, I don't know if you read this, but you know the song that she's humming throughout the whole movie? No, I didn't even hear it. Well, you wouldn't know it because it's a Harry oh, Styles that song. Oh, it just went in one ear and out the other. That makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so as for the supporting cast, like, I mean, pretty good. They were underexplored characters. Mm. But I actually think the casting of the other men in the suburb was really good because at one point I leaned over yeah. to you and I was like, in what world is Nick Kroll <laughs> with Olivia Wilde? And then when I you know. realize that it's kind of this like nerd utopia. Right. And little Douglas Smith as well. You're like, oh, that makes complete yeah. sense. And it's actually good because it's not like they're 
they're not like overtly nerdy where you would be like something's up Mm -hmm. in this world they're actually kind of like cute funny guys and that's their like ideal version but then you can also see them playing this kind of like incel character at the same time so I I actually like their casting because it didn't give too much away that made the world look off right away and I very much enjoyed Kate Berlant's character she played Peg the pregnant one she was so yeah. funny. She added some like very like she, needed comic relief. Because yeah. no one was that funny yeah. in this. There weren't really no. humorous moments. Okay, so Chris Pine as Frank. We kind of got into like the muse <laughs> for this this mm-hmm. character. But <laughs> all of that aside, I was thinking about Frank and Chris Pine as Frank. Mm. Because Chris Pine wouldn't really be like the king of the incels. I don't think no. I look at him as a Jared Leto type cult leader. That is this, yeah. you know, <laughs> handsome guy out in California, like playing guitar, doing some ayahuasca, not knowing there's a pandemic going on, <laughs> not yeah. creating some sort of like geek utopia. Jared Leto isn't going to do that. Right. And then I thought, does Frank oh. look like Chris Pine in real life? Good point. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, maybe. Frank is like a Steve Buscemi. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god! His avatar is like Chris Pine. There's no way like this right. Chris Pine-looking motherfucker is creating this like geek utopia. He's off being Chris Pine. Well, this is what I thought about that. Was I don't know. I know you don't frequent the gossip sites like I do, but Chris Pine had a really, really big, bushy, long beard for a mm. long time when. We get the reveal at the end. I was like, oh, they're going to show Chris. That's why he had that beard. They're going to show Chris Pine in the real world. This huge beard, like looking like, yeah, I don't know. Freaking scraggle. Disheveled, but I guess not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So I thought, okay, well, I guess we'll never know. The program does ask Harry Styles if he like, if does he want to be British? Do you want to be British or like, so it's like they could pick. So maybe he's just like, I want to be handsome. And then Frank, mm. you know, mm-hmm. looks like that, I guess, in that world. <laughs> but then, like, why would it? Nicole yeah, you think that all of them would be better looking? Than? <laughs> I don't know. Like, like there's <laughs> Harry Styles and <laughs> Chris Pine, and then Nicole is like, I'm I fine just the way can't. I, am. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with the Harry Styles ugly version like he has like pog marks all over his face and like those ugly glasses I'm like wow you really tried hard to make Harry Styles look ugly I know <laughs> like, you tried know. really hard okay well is there anything technical that you want to mention technically I thought this movie was absolutely stunning the cinematographer on this is Matthew Libatique, I believe is how you say his name. Um, he did the cinematography for Black Swan, Mother. Yeah, so Darren Aronofsky's guy. Yeah. The cinematography, I think, is just stunning. There are so many gorgeous shots in this film. Lots of bird's eye view shots to the point where I was like, yeah. okay, that's enough bird's eye view shots. But it was a beautiful mm-hmm. movie to watch. The set decoration was incredible. The costumes by Ariane Phillips, like... I wanted Florence Pugh's entire wardrobe, every single dress, every single house coat she was wearing, every single mm-hmm. nightie she was wearing. Like, what's just yeah. absolutely stunning. There's a feel and a style to this movie that was very mm-hmm. captivating to me. 
you could tell, and this is a, you know, kudos to Olivia Wilde as a director, but those were yeah. really thought out shots. Like she wanted to portray yeah. a certain style and it does really come through. Well, she's I think. also a music video director too. So mm. I think that she has hmm. an eye for, for visuals. Like even Booksmart has a lot of mm. fun visuals in that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, thank God that this was good technically. I love looking at mm-hmm. this. But anything, you know, Hollywood mm-hmm. and, and California in the 50s or the 60s, California desert, it's all eye candy. Um, it had mm-hmm. a very once upon a time yeah. Hollywood look to it. Yeah. Well, Ariane Phillips did the wardrobe for that as well. And for Nocturnal Animals. And I know we loved the wardrobe in that film too. Yeah. Edison will be very disappointed he... He couldn't talk about this movie technically because this mm-hmm. is meant to be like a mid-century Palm Springs suburb. Edison would just die for all of this interior design, all of this architecture. Yeah. You know the the Victory headquarters? Yeah. So that's an actual place. Yeah, I read that. That's so interesting. And you can watch a little tour on YouTube, which I thought was really interesting. It's called like the Volcano House. Oh, cool. And there is something that's like very like extraterrestrial about it and something very mysterious. So I thought it was actually really cool that it was like the headquarters because it gave it this like otherworldly feel to it. So I think that actually added a little bit of mystery to this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's last word this darling (laughs) uh yeah I mean was this super profound no does it have plot holes yes many and I want answers to them but was I entertained was I just gawking at Florence Pugh's performance and the costuming and the set design I absolutely was so I was entertained Mm -hmm. and I would watch this again yeah last word for me yeah (laughs) once again not as bad as I was anticipating Lots of eye candy in terms of cast and production. Definitely needed more in terms of story. I do think it's interesting that there's more to analyze at these festival press conferences. Like Spitgate right. was super analyzed. And I feel like those oh my moments God. will be analyzed <laughs> a lot more than any sort of feminism or patriarchy or any of that. Which that kind of sucks at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed this more than mm-hmm. I thought I would probably won't think about it again after all of this press stuff dies down Hmm. welcome back hi everybody i'm here hi we missed you yay it is killing me i'm so like what did you talk about yeah i know well you'll have to watch it as soon as you can and then listen and then you can argue along with us, but you'll be getting won't texts. do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's true. I feel like we're going to get this bullet points oh, of yeah. Edison's thoughts. Yes. Totally. <laughs> well, let's jump into our week in entertainment. This episode, we challenged ourselves to watch films that fit a particular theme. And that theme is The Honeymoon is Over. Mm-hmm. which I suspect might be connected to Don't Worry, Darling. <laughs> you can say that, yes. This is our week in entertainment. Okay, let me go first. Yeah, you should go first. So I was struggling to find uh, one for this week. Mm-hmm. Actually, to be honest, I've just been a bit stressed with the hurricane of it all, and I was like, I don't have it in my brain. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I asked Sinclair to, for a recommendation, and she recommended 
this like Tom Hanks movie from the 80s. The Money Pit. The Money Pit, which (laughs) I'm sure that I would love, but I'm here watching it with my little brother, Sean, and Sean was like, "Eh, not so enthusiastic. Yeah, he's a bit picky, apparently. (laughs) Asking for my suggestion and then denying it instantly. (laughs) Yeah. So then Mm -hmm. she suggested this other one, and it was definitely the right choice. Well, he said he wanted, you know, horror sci-fi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this film came out last year in 2021. I had never heard of it before. It's called Till Death. And it stars Megan Fox and is directed by S.K. Dale. (laughs) Never heard of him. (laughs) And I need to preface this by saying I have not seen this. How did you hear of it, Sinclair? I just heard that this Megan Fox horror movie isn't that bad. Okay. And you were like, okay, my brother wants to see this horror sci-fi movie. And I was like, oh, brother... Hot Megan Fox yeah. horror movie. Uh, I don't know till death. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I actually don't know if this is good or not. So I'm I'm really curious. Uh, what, what I happened. know nothing <laughs> about this either. So enlighten us, Edison. <laughs> okay. Well, in Till Death, Megan Fox plays photographer Emma. Her um, <laughs> profession is literally irrelevant. You never see a single one of her photographs. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the film opens with her ending things with her side piece, who she's having an affair with, Tom, um, played by Amal Amin, and then leaving his apartment. She's feeling especially guilty because it's the wedding anniversary of her and her very handsome, very successful lawyer husband, Mark. Mm-hmm. So when we see her with her husband, first at his office, then at this fancy restaurant for their anniversary dinner, their relationship is real tense. Okay. It's giving the invisible man. So, yeah, when he, like, drives them both to their secluded lake house with her in a blindfold for this, like, surprise romantic getaway thing, all you can think is, you in danger, girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But once they get there, it gets a little more romantic and sexy, and they seem to connect again, and, you know, Um, but the next morning when she wakes up, he's sitting on the side of his bed, on of the bed with his back to her and she realizes he's got a gun in his hand and she's handcuffed to him and at this point you're like oh fuck he's gonna try and kill you emma okay spoiler alert spoiler alert but instead he shoots himself in the head (laughs) Mm. and it's truly shocking and you're like wait what because this is like 15 to 20 minutes into the movie right and she's handcuffed to him yes and so that's kind of the setup for the whole Ball rest of chain. it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and then it becomes this really twisted sort of revenge game that he's playing from the grave oh. and is actually a pretty decent thriller of a film. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it like a horror necessarily. And I don't want to get into the rest of the plot details, but like some of it is predictable. But the truth is a fair amount of this film at least right until the very final act, it does go in unexpected directions and you really don't necessarily know what's coming next. There's a lot of Megan Fox dragging around this dead body. trying. I to would imagine, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's set everything up in the lake house. Like, it's totally empty. It's all oh. been prepared, right? There's not a single sharp object. This whole thing oh. is devised as a really elaborate setup for him to get revenge from the grave. Like, it's, it's fucked. But... S.K. Dale is is a first time feature film director. Okay, and that's why I've never the heard. The direction, 
yeah and but his direction is really tight okay, like cool. there's a really good sense of pacing the film is short you'd love that helen it's like mm, yeah. 86 minutes or something love it but it is like a fast short too it's the tension particularly in the first half is visceral my heart was literally racing i was mm. actually on the edge of my seat Okay, what about your brother, Mr. Picky Pants? <laughs> he, he, well, he loved it. Aww. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, he loved it because because the tension was really good, and Megan Fox is, I mean, hot. Yes. Oh, it's completely ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, How, is it, she it, good in it though? Her acting. So here's the thing: she really does have the screen presence to carry a film, mm. and though in parts of this one she is let down by the writing, mm. right. At the beginning of the film, all of her lines are done with this sort of blank, listless mm. delivery. And I think it's meant to like show that all of this life has been sucked out of her within this bleak marriage. Okay. Yeah. If the dialogue were better, that would be fine. But instead, it just comes across as dull. But once her husband dies and she's in the survival mode, though, her like final girl energy comes out oh. strong. And she's actually really great. Cool. Really great. Mm-hmm. And like very captivating on the screen. She holds. She holds it. It is very The Invisible Man, but it, it doesn't, like, ex- have any interest exploring those themes. Like, Helen, you were like, oh, a literal ball and chain? Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't really go into that. It doesn't go into the relationship trauma. It doesn't really go into, like, the fragility of the male ego. Mm. It's more interested in just being this straightforward thriller. Mm. Um, but it is. It's simple, but it's yeah. effective. And it oh. was actually way better than I was expecting. <laughs> Nice. Okay, well, that's great. Uh, yeah. Because so... I really uh, just uh, went out on a limb with that one. <laughs> well, it was a good limb. Thank you, Sinclair. <laughs> yeah. What did you pick, Helen? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> I decided to watch a movie from 2010 called Cyrus, written Cyrus. and directed by the Duplass brothers. I quite like the Duplass brothers movies because they tend to let their actors improvise and the scenes and the dialogue and the connection feels super genuine and like authentic. You know, I've gone through their filmography before and this is one that has come up and I hadn't watched it. And then I was also kind of struggling for something to do for this uh, segment and or for this theme. And uh, yeah, so this is what I watched. Um, you sound so. really enthused. It's it's fine. We'll see. Is okay. this John C. Riley? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Have you yeah. seen it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cyrus follows John, played by John C. Riley, who's basically a miserable loser, who somehow attracts Molly, played by Marissa Tomei, at a party. Right. And yep. Right. Okay. <laughs> that tracks. Right. I remember this. Yeah. One. Yeah. And they start dating. Everything seems to be going incredibly well they are like kind of in that honeymoon phase um until john meets molly's 21 year old son cyrus played by jonah hill mm, and they're like kind great of actors attached at the hip yeah i mean this movie is okay it's definitely low on the list of duplass brothers films there's just not a whole lot to it you've got Marissa Tomei and Jonah Hill are this mother-son duo that are very odd together and very, very, like, close. They're just both a bit quirky and weird. John C. Riley comes in here like, can't believe he's landed this hot woman. And 
has to put up with Jonah Hill, who is trying to sabotage their relationship, essentially, because he doesn't want to give up his mother. It's basically exactly what you think it is. Like, yes, Jonah Hill's trying to sabotage their relationship, and then they end up together in the end, whatever. But it just (laughs) all feels a little bit false. And something I love so much about their movies is they don't feel false. So Mm -hmm. I, I didn't love it. I don't actually think that this script is very good and Mm. they do famously say that they have like a a layout for how they want the film to go but they don't write the dialogue so they'll Mm. say like in this scene this has to happen get there any way that you can and in that sense it is still successful like the conversations are still authentic and these actors work off of each other well it's fun to see to watch John C. Riley and Jonah Hill work together because they're both very funny. But the whole premise of John C. Riley kind of being this like guy that's been stuck in a rut, and the other side plot is that he, uh, Catherine Keener is his ex-wife who's getting remarried, and she's the one that's trying to pull him out. So he got with Marissa Tomei and and Catherine, Catherine Keener. Keener. That's correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, you just look at him and you're kind of like okay like what do you have going for you why do I care about you I think that was my biggest problem is I just Mm. I didn't have much to latch on to with him and he just feels like quite pathetic throughout the entire film (laughs) wow but yeah this one definitely not my favorite all right Sinclair what is your what was your weekend entertainment oh I'll tell (laughs) you That sounded so like sultry. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, what did you watch? What was um, your entertainment this week? Oh, well, t- I, I was entertained. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, I watched a movie called I'm Your Man. Huh. It's from 2021 and it's directed by Maria Schrader. Maria Schrader is a German director. She directed She Said, which is coming oh, out in November. Oh, great. Cool. So I had not actually seen anything that she's done so I was like okay I'm gonna check her out because that's definitely gonna be a big movie of the year want to see some of her previous work she did this movie I'm your man and this was Germany's pick for their Oscar submission for best mm-hmm. international oh. film uh, I'm your man stars German actress Marin Eggert and also Dan Stevens mm-hmm. quick synopsis oh I love Dan Stevens oh I love him too let me tell you Quick synopsis. In order to obtain research funds for her studies, a scientist accepts an offer to participate in an extraordinary experiment for three weeks. Hmm. She is to live with a humanoid robot created to make her happy. Oh, is is he the robot? Oh, he's the robot. Oh, he's played a role like this before. He could make me happy three weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, that's exactly... Well, I'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> First off, this is a German movie. She's a German director. This is a straight up German movie. Dan Stevens speaks fluent German. I didn't really? know that. What? He's, he he does this whole movie in German. No. <laughs> like, perfectly. Wow. wow. Yes. I did so not know that. So he's just German the whole time. <laughs> uh, so basically, this character Alma, she takes part in this study for three weeks. She's reluctant. She has to do this to get the funds for her her research. She's a scientist slash archaeologist, and she needs to take part in this study. And this robot has been made specifically for her. So she's been studied, and she had to take all these tests and be interviewed so they could tailor this robot to her. 
he kind of works like an algorithm. So everything he learns is being suited to fit her needs. And it's kind of like the idea of our phones, how social media and, you know, even Google tailors everything to us. So our content is just being given to us and our experiences are all personalized. So there's a Black Mirror episode that's similar to this. Yes, definitely. And, And even in our you know conversation about don't worry darling we mentioned black Mm. mirror and like this is the same thing where you watch some of these movies and you're like Mm. okay but black mirror kind of did that (laughs) and they did it in a shorter amount of time (laughs) right Mm -hmm. so these robots are actually being tested because they're going to be introduced as actual life partners for for people okay but like do they have pheromones Yes. So, <laughs> it's like, how do they smell? He's like, let's like, get if- into the robot sex. Is basically <laughs> what you're saying. Yes. Oh so, God. okay. Well, interestingly, yeah, Dan Stevens is this robot. And to activate the robot's like sexuality, it, you have to kiss them. And then they basically like get hmm. a hard on. Okay. Yeah. So, so basically there's another scene where Dan Stevens, his name is Tom, by the way, this robot. Okay. He mm-hmm. is. Tom at the like, factory. Yeah. He's like out in the wild and these deer <laughs> are around him. And Elma is like, are they not scared of you? And they're like, they can't smell me. I don't smell like anything. There like, the, I don't wow. smell like a See? threat. I don't smell like humans. So that might answer your question, Edison. Yeah, so basically, these these people are paired up with, with their robots, and they're introduced to them in this, like, romantic um, simulated setting. Then they're meant to take these robots home for three weeks and the honeymoon phase, basically. Mm. You know, you're supposed to have these am- amazing three weeks with these robots Elma is a very reluctant participant so the honeymoon phase never really happens she doesn't warm up to him she treats him like a robot she doesn't see him as a human and like she pulls away from him every time there's any sort of affection from him or care Hmm. and I think that on the surface level yes it's because he's a robot but it, it also can represent a person who's had a history of bad relationships that's very guarded very mm-hmm. afraid to enter in, in into a new one so there's a lot of like parallels they don't feel like they deserve it they yeah. don't feel like they deserve it so there's a lot of parallels to that but you know also at the end of the day he also is an ai she feels like he's just an algorithm that's catering to her because he is because he technically is <laughs> yeah <laughs> so she's really unwilling to like accept that she feels like she's just like playing out a fantasy mm. okay um, so question would you do this? Okay, so no. here's the thing. And, like, I was going to talk a little bit more about the themes, Edison, but if you want to get into this, then fine. So <laughs> no, there's, like, kind it. of, like, a I'm weird just... sex scene that happens oh. between the two of them um, where it's, like, very much just, like, about her pleasure. Okay. Because he's, like, a robot, like, catering to her needs. But, like, she's so reluctant the whole time, and I'm like, okay, like – Look at this Dan Stevens robot. Yeah. I'd bring this Dan Stevens robot home and like see what's up. Yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. Me too. I would try it for three weeks. For yeah. why the hell not? Does does Dan Stevens like cook? Does he clean? Yeah, does he, he make cleans the... her place. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Give it to me. And please. he's also like a fantastic date. Like she brings him to all these parties, and he's just super smart because he's mm. a, a robot. Yeah. <laughs> he so he just, probably like, doesn't fart or yeah, ever have bad like, breath. Yeah, he just like impresses That's everyone great. at these parties. 
So I'm like, okay, like this isn't like the worst three weeks. Mm -hmm. But anyway, she has a crisis. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) she does get kind of close to him, but then she ultimately gives him away at the end. She sends him back. See, I'm just worried I'd fall in love. Yeah. But the thing Mm -hmm. is, is like you could fall in love, but then you could keep him. He's made for you. So there is a way at the end, like you can keep him, but she doesn't. She gives him back. She ultimately chooses to give him back and writes her report on it because she says technology is amazing at first. Eventually, it does have these negative side effects. Eventually, you have to plug him in. (laughs) Plug him in. Uh, There's like addiction. There's like Mm. replacement of real people. And she's an archaeologist. She's very much about like preserving the past Mm. and studying the past and like seeing the negative effects of different advancements through the ages well and i think also Mm -hmm. if you i haven't seen the movie sorry but if you it's so such a fascinating concept that i just feel like if you had you know a robot that was made for you that was there to serve your every whim and desire and need that it's kind of you'd kind of end up like a you know like a diva like one of these superstars surrounded by yes people like you Mm -hmm. you would probably lose your sort of patience for anybody disagreeing or having a contrary belief or not doing precisely Mm. what you wanted them to i also just thought there was like a lot of commentary in this on our phones how our Mm. phones have really like replaced people Mm. we're addicted to it it also helps us not be lonely but lonely at the same Mm. time and yeah it really is about the negative effects that technology can have even though it seems so great at the beginning like Mm -hmm. i feel like there's really a honeymoon phase with all these apps as well so yeah also i don't know dan robot dan stevens i mean i'd give it a whirl (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah this was it was an interesting watch for Mm -hmm. sure that sounds super interesting thanks for um keeping us worldly sinclair you're welcome (laughs) yeah all right. Well, uh, this has been another episode of Talk Movie to Me. If you'd like to get in touch with us, our email is talkmovietome at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at talkmovietome. Tweet at us at TMTM Podcast. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And become a Patreon member. Oh, <laughs> Just my do God. it. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com. She takes one week off. One week off. Talk movie to me. No, I I didn't forget what to say. I just was trying to figure out how to say that in not a greedy way, but I couldn't. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes, we have a Patreon account where we release a episode every month just for Patreon members. So head on over to patreon.com slash talk movie to me to become a monthly member. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Thanks, everybody. Ugh. <laughs>